class by taking a dive into the movies of the 1930s. Black, white, color, action, adventure, ruby slippers, an incredibly strict code of conduct dictating what can't be seen or implied. Racism, it's got it all. So. <laughs> and that's just one movie. Penulti- yeah. <laughs> <laughs> in, the, in the penultimate, I don't even, do we name the series, you guys? I don't think um, we did. I've been uh, uploading it as the chronological salute to the whatever decade it is. In the in the nineteen in the salute to the nineteen thirties, let's let's uh let's let's get this party let's get this party started. Yeah, um, I'm of course. <laughs> yeah, I'm of course. I'm of course joined via Zoom teleconference by Sean and Sonia. Uh, hello, friends. How are you? Hello, hello friend. Good. Yeah. Did I just did I go from co-host to friend in that one instant? Now it's kind of awkward. Friend zone. <laughs> you took a totally friend zoned on air. <laughs> <laughs> Any guys? Anyway, you guys. Every week we run out of time to talk about all the mm. stuff we want to talk about. So, what movies did you guys watch this week that you want to bring up? Mm. Well, I um, watched a movie this week that I've never seen before, but has been recommended to me a few times. Um, it's from 1931. It's actually a German film, so not to brag, but I guess I am better than everyone for watching a movie. (laughs) Okay, international. (laughs) International affairs. (laughs) And that is 1931's M, a very Mm. short title, only one letter. Actually, (laughs) I don't know if I know of any other movie with just a one letter title. Um, Anyway. Uh, I thought I would have one. (laughs) I Maybe know, there's, right? There's probably one that's just good, like an emoji or like a symbol. Oh yeah, Ooh. yeah, the prince symbol. Um, anyway, yeah. this is set in Weimar, Germany, um, and is about um, somewhat darkly a serial child murderer who oh is. Oh my god! Um, yeah, mm-hmm. <laughs> who is terrorizing the town? I believe of Dusseldorf. I don't know if I got that from nowhere. Um, and basically, it's. It's about sort of the attempts to catch and then the reaction to catching um, this serial child murderer who is played by Peter Lorre, who people probably oh, know. God. Of um, course. Yeah, he's, he's really <laughs> up creep. in the 30s scene. Um, he has truly just one of the most interesting faces of all time, probably. Um, he is a... Hungarian-American actor who worked in Austria and Germany in the 20s and 30s and then moved to America. Um, But yeah, it's, I mean, this film is like the blueprint for kind of the psychological crime thriller, I would say. And you can really see, like, its influence in a lot of ways. Um, it's, It's paced very differently than movies now, and I think you know, it, you could call it slow for sure. Like just the the rhythm of things is mm-hmm, very mm-hmm. different. But I was not bored for a second, which is like quite an achievement for me. Um, <laughs> and yeah, it. I just thought I just found it so interesting in its themes, like sort of the overall question of the film, um, because ultimately he is caught, and basically this like crime syndicate uh, like tries to get to him before the police because. Um, they're trying to stop all these raids, police raids that have been happening in attempts to catch him. And it sort mm-hmm. of deals with the whole, like, criminals look down upon this type of criminal thing that, you know, people are probably somewhat familiar with. But sort of at the end of the film, they have this, like, kangaroo court where all of the criminals are, like, putting him on trial and deciding what to do about him. And I think the sort of overall question of the movie is, like, is it okay to brutalize, you know, kill, punish someone who we hate and find evil just because it will make us feel better. And I feel like that is a question that is very relevant to our day and age. And like, you know, it's a question I find myself grappling with a lot, you know, as I study psychology. And yeah, it's just a really interesting movie. Mm-hmm. Um, I love, I, abs- I absolutely love this one scene in this movie where they he gets an M marked on mm-hmm. his back for a murderer, and there are all these people pursuing him, and he's like trying to get away. And it's like it's not a chase, but it is a chase, yeah. sort of. Um, but it's incredibly intense. Like it is just one of the most tense sort of sequences. 
And I think that you kind of got to bang on, Sonya, with this idea of pacing, because I don't know what happens after another hundred years of lessons, what this looks like. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, the grayness of it all does get so interesting as we sort of discover all of these individuals who just want this guy not brought to justice, but gone, which yeah. is different, right? Yeah, like, like, get like this it's scary not... thing away from us is the right. thing. You know, oh, what we do is okay, it's acceptable, it's within this this box, not the legal box, but whatever box is inside of that, but this guy's beyond that, so what do we do? Mm-hmm. And then, of course, like, with the end of nothing, nothing's gonna fix it, right? Like, that's the, it's done. So. Yeah, and that is the end, and, and it's, it's unresolved, you don't find out, mm-hmm. because the police do actually apprehend him at the end, and get him away from the kangaroo court, and sort of, like, save him in the process, but then it's unclear what will happen to him after that. Yeah. Um, but yeah, and beautiful use of light, like a lot of that kind of chiaroscuro stuff and just like the, the light and shadow and yeah, really interesting. I, I just, this is just now a random question off that statement, but do you guys think that they had to do more with light because of the black and white? Like, is that what's going on? Probably. It's part of it for sure. If yeah. Only Cause like, I, in school. So there's only yeah, two, two show. colors. Yeah. Well, in school, we were always taught, like, like you can buy viewfinders for cameras that are in black and white, but the goal is just to ensure that the contrast is correct, mm-hmm. like, to make sure you can see all of the, the different levels of stuff. So even in color, a lot of people at least used to use a black and white. But um, anyway, I don't know. It's interesting. It is, yeah. Well, Sean, what did you watch? that sounds scary and kind of gross. <laughs> but maybe yeah. someday I'll. But then get also it. weirdly funny at moments too, where yeah. you're like, "Oh, <laughs> didn't expect that." <laughs> a comedic moment mm-hmm. in this middle middle of the Dusseldorf child murderer, um, <laughs> right. the famous Dusseldorf murderer. Uh, so I watched a film from 1933. Uh, you might have heard of it. It's called King Kong. Mm-hmm. He is probably the most. I, I have heard of it. He might be one of the most recognizable movie icons. Very, like, you know who he is. Um, yeah. It is about a morally corrupt filmmaker who sort of tricks a crew of men and a homeless woman uh, basically to their deaths, almost. He <laughs> wrangles them to go. He doesn't tell them what they're doing. They go to film uh, at this, like, at Skull Island, which sounds ominous, uh, at the gate. Mm-hmm. And... Um, yep. When they're there, they discover that there's a big, that the inhabitants of the island have built a huge wall to keep in a bunch of prehistoric animals. Um, And then they cap the people that live there capture and Darrow, who is played by Fay Ray. And they try to, they try to sacrifice her to King Kong. King Kong becomes, falls in love with her. And then everyone goes to try to try and save her. Men get really ravaged by the prehistoric creatures. <laughs> um, like, it was a lot more violent than I expected. There's a lot of just, like, mm. squishing dudes and mouths and, like, crushing people mm-hmm. into the earth. Um, and, um, yeah, I would say the effects are obviously bad, but very fun. And, <clears throat> like, sometimes you're like, I'm not even quite sure what they're trying to show that the monkey is doing. Like, a hand is just, like, sort of grazing over another person. And then you're like, oh, he's punching him. But (laughs) this is not what I see. Um, (laughs) And obviously, it's, like, pretty. It's, like, very racist and sexist. Mm. Um, So that part, some of those parts are a tough nut to crack. Um, But even the, like, the love interest, like, she's on the boat and he's, like, I hate that you're on this boat. You're the worst. Like, a woman on a boat is... Uh, bad luck? Is such bad luck. And she's like, I thought I didn't... I didn't know I was causing such a ruckus. Um, anyway. <laughs> um, oh, and also another thing that is so inconsistent is his height. King Kong's height in every scene <laughs> is like, oh, in this scene, he's 15 feet tall. He's, like, beside a tree. In, mm-hmm. you know, the Empire State Building moment, he's... 75 feet tall like he's huge right <laughs> so i it is i who knows what where the real answer lies but anyway it was really fun 
and I never uh, seen it before. Sean, can, can I ask you a question? Mm-hmm. I I can't I can't remember exactly how many King Kong reboots there have been. I want to say two. I could be wrong. Two or three. Uh, um, but uh, well, and a million like other things. Like yeah, of course. Yeah, but I have not seen the Peter Jackson one. But I am interested. Uh, okay. Mm. Yeah, it's a lot more. Uh, like they fix all those action scenes and none of the inconsistencies in height. Yeah, <laughs> I want to see a Naomi That's Watts fun. as a Fay Ray. It's good. I'm interested. Yeah, I've it's never pr- seen. Yeah. I've never seen a single King Kong movie, and I think. I oh, should. really? Yeah. Ooh. Yeah, I have um, fun. Yeah, it, there are parts that are now goofy, right? Like there's close-ups of the monkey's face. I think yeah. it's like the famous one where like Fay Ray's in the the foreground and King Kong's in the background. It's just like yeah, like he's an like, Obey giant. Uh, <laughs> it's I'm crazy. It's wild nuts. teeth. Um, yeah. But also the ending is basically um, the young Frankenstein ending, like where he like yeah. like I didn't realize that's what it was a reference to. Oh, that's funny. <laughs> I didn't. Know. That's good. <laughs> But yeah, no, it's pretty crazy. It is crazy. I'm just thinking of that 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 I'm gonna I'm gonna make that face of his just, my wallpaper. But I have to remember to just do like that. random like Diplodocus, like they go all go into the jungle to save her. They're like, oh, let's go get him. And then there's just like <laughs> a Velociraptor or like a huge snake. <laughs> yeah, just just uh, a huge snake. Just a large. That's snake. what that's what's out there. Yeah, that's what's out there. But. Cool. Um, okay. Do you have anything else to say, Sean? I don't want to cut you off. No, I think that is about okay. it. Just that I was okay. surprised by the amount of violent deaths. I kept, like, <laughs> when King Kong would just shake a log with a bunch of dudes on it, and they would all just, like, mannequin bodies would plummet to the ground. <laughs> I'd be like, oh, my God. That's that's what happens under those extreme forces. Yeah. Um, Sean's like, uh, I thought this was a rom-com. I know, I did, I did not think there would be much, but I was wrong. Um, anyway, uh, <laughs> I was wrong. Uh, I don't know why I thought that's so funny, but it doesn't matter. Uh, I'm going to talk about something more depressing than Sean's thing, with more death. Well, we've started out with murder, child murder, yeah. then we, and <laughs> one, with monkey murder. One, yeah. Uh, absolutely. Um, so, uh. I finally watched after years of not, so this could be used later, but I, there are a few things that I finally watched. Um, but I watched All Quiet on the Western Front, mm. um, which was sort of like the first anti-war movie where it's sort of portrayed as not this awesome thing, um, but instead this horrible thing, which it actually is. Um, uh, it's about uh, sort of a group, well, one guy mainly, but a group of friends who are in school, and they have a professor, and I don't know if that means um, teacher or, like, university, like, I'm not sure, I think mm. they're all quite young, but I don't know. Anyway, he essentially talks up how important it is that they go win this war, and then uh, they get trained, and it's awful, and then they go to war, and of course it's World War One because it's 1930, Um and uh, the depictions of the trench warfare are really crazy good and awful. Mm. Like, like they are probably made by people who really intimately knew right. what that was supposed to look like. Um, and uh, it's sort of these, like, I guess every war movie is sort of like scenes of, like, little bits that happen with sort of, sort of bigger jumps in time in and about, like... Different things that happen where they're all starving, but then they lose a big fight, but then there's enough food for everyone. So, like, it's, like, these weird, really, like, strange things. And then near the end, so, like, sort of in the last third, he actually goes back to his professor with new students that he's encouraging to go to the war. And he tells them what it's really like, and then they call him a coward. And he gets in this big fight with all of them and leaves, and then has to go back to the, um, back to the front. And then, I can't believe I just said back to the front, but anyway, it doesn't <laughs> back to the front. Uh, I didn't even bat an eye. <laughs> that's, that's, uh, it got locked in there. Uh, and then, of course, this is the iconic ending where he reaches too far out of the trench to try and grab a butterfly, and then he gets shot by an enemy sniper. Ugh. And uh, What? I did not know just, that was a... Uh... Oh, yeah, I yeah, yeah. It's, <laughs> it's, it's been a thing in a bunch of stuff. I've seen it 
referenced a bunch of times. Um, but uh, it it was really weird how like true all of that stuff mm. really, really still is. And I know like we don't fight in trenches the way that they used to, but it really is just like how many people you can throw at a thing to see how many come out. Like there's not really a <laughs> an organized activity we'll say yeah mm. um but but really incredible stuff like people running and like things like blowing up right beside them because there's no safety regulations for anything they're like oh hey jim just don't step there just just stay out of the way there um and then some of the things i think they must have actually had to drop some stuff to make it like work. bombs maybe i don't like i don't think they'd be bombs or they'd be like um just things that, like, I know that it was, like, a popular thing and a cheap thing to, like, bury a stick and then hit the other end of the stick so the dirt would fly up. Oh, yeah. Oh, um, okay. But I don't, I, I don't That's know how not. you do that. On a big a full, scale? Yeah. With, with, with hundreds of men Piles running of and then these, like, huge, yeah. Maybe it's just dynamite. Maybe that's all they mm. did. <laughs> they just blew stuff up. Um, Sometimes the simplest answer. Really, yeah. That's... Yeah, um, it is really well done, and actually, I was really impressed by the performances of Lou Ayers, who's the lead, and I don't know if I've seen him in a bunch of stuff or not, um, but uh, just, like, a really, really great film, and it's it's really sort of highlight highlighting the feeling of, like, people who are in it and don't really understand mm. what, what else it's sort of about, right? Because it's essentially, like, them just losing men and not gaining or losing anything and then they come to the outside world and they're like we're almost on paris right because they're they're Ger yeah they're german um so anyway it's uh it's it was, it was good but it was pretty cra crazy <laughs> i have yeah, never sounds uplifting yeah i will yeah. never reach for a butterfly again uh -huh. especially if you could get shot <laughs> if there's a chance especially then especially of that yeah. Um. Uh, Sonia. Mm. Uh, um. Well. So I I don't know if I've seen this before. Like I think I have, or I've at least seen clips of it, but I don't know that I've seen it in its entirety. Um. The uh, another thing I watched this week was uh the nineteen thirty three Marx Brothers movie widely regarded to be the the best one which is why i chose mm -hmm. it um duck soup which ah. is set in the uh fictional european country of fredonia uh mm. where they <laughs> decide they need a, a new leader <laughs> yeah they decide they need a new leader and that leader um for i don't know capitalism reasons <laughs> becomes uh rufus t firefly played okay. by groucho marx and i mean like most marx brothers movies it doesn't really have a like solid plot and most of it doesn't make any sense and that's sort <laughs> of what's good about it um so basically it's just like him being this absolutely unhinged unqualified leader and just completely ruling from his own ego and uh absurdity and nonsense um and it's like sort of a satire on fascism i think like it's sort of a a response to authoritarianism i mean 1933 things mm -hmm. were happening um and but what i like about it i think is that it like like it is satire it is commentary but it also is primarily nonsense and like that is like political in its own way you know, mm -hmm. like, because it's not sort of, it's sort of like rejecting the idea that you have to, that you have to say something specific. Like, it's sort of like alluding to things, but mostly it's just being silly. Um, yeah, it, it made me laugh a lot. There were parts of it that I was just like, I think this is some, some vaudeville <laughs> nonsense that I don't understand. <laughs> like, when they just break into a song and you're like, this song isn't even funny, but it's just here. <laughs> but you gotta have a song. You gotta have a song. Gotta, you gotta have a song. People aren't gonna be entertained if you don't have a song. Yeah. Uh, I'm I'm not a big Groucho Mark. I don't think I've ever watched Duck Soup. I'm not sure. Mm. I don't know. Uh, I'm, I was never big into their whole whole thing. I think it was the eyebrows, personally. Yeah, that's fair. Wow. 
but uh, Sonia, would it prompt you to watch other uh, Groucho Marx films? Yeah, like I think I'd like to just to see what they're like. Mm-hmm. Um, Harpo is my favorite. He's the mm-hmm. one who doesn't talk and primarily communicates through horns, <laughs> but also just like anytime <laughs> he's on the scene. Uh, like he has all these like bicycle horns attached to his oh, belt. Okay. I was like, well, and let's he honks them. Like I didn't really know what we were talking about. <laughs> yeah, okay. it didn't. It doesn't make a lot of sense. It's it's quite visual. Um, <laughs> but anytime that he like comes on the scene, it just erupts into absolute chaos. Like anything he touches starts making lots of noise. Like it just is. It's just chaotic in a way that I really admire. And also the puns. The puns are never ending. <laughs> um, like okay. I'm not going to try and like deliver it now, deliver any of them now, but some of the lines are just like so, so silly. So yeah, it, um, I, it, I would say it, it holds up more than lots of really old comedy, um, mm-hmm. in the sense that the pace is a lot faster. Like I think a lot of yeah. comedic things of that era, people would be like, what is this? And that yeah. is still, still pretty instrumental to like a lot of modern slaps of humor. So yeah. And uh, and I think there is a theme uh, of this decade that we're going to talk about likely after the break from the clock in front of me. Um, mm-hmm. But like, this is like an era of incredible prominence and mm. things that everyone knows about that have stood the test of time for one reason or another. Um, I th- yeah. Well, well, we'll talk about it. we'll talk about it. Yeah. Well, yeah. Okay. Sean, we have. What, what, so, oh, okay. What? Well, this one well, is. What else did you watch? This is a rom com that I think suffered from a bit of what Sonia was talking about, at least in my opinion. Um, it is from 1938. It is called Bringing Up Baby. It stars the like luminous Cary Grant and Catherine Hepburn. They look so young and beautiful. It's crazy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but it is just like, it's about a sort of um, a professor who is a little befuddled. Uh, he is trying to put together a dinosaur uh, from recovered bones. He has a chance encounter with a very daffy, infuriating woman who just like drags him along on her uh, sort of uh, war path throughout everything she touches also just like turns to disaster. Mm -hmm. Um, And there's the most extremely like absurd misunderstandings and zany harebrained things that like i i enjoy that sort of stuff but there's a few times where i was like oh my god we got to keep keep this going like <laughs> like <laughs> man you're like you're driving my car yeah this is my car so get out of here no that's what i said it's my car now you get out <laughs> no that's what i said i'm like oh my god why is no I one clearing this up <laughs> like there's so many things where it's just like so can someone just say what's going on and then another person will like cut them off like i know exactly what's going on like blah, blah, blah. and i guess that is like it is fun but i was like i made the decision to watch it on daily motion which had a commercial oh. every 30 seconds it was a one of the worst oh. decisions i've ever made and so oh i was God. when there was wasting time on screen i felt it in my bones because mm. i was like i now i'm gonna have to watch a commercial um <laughs> well but there was Sean, oh, I- sorry if the, I was just going to say, if those words are in the script, they're reading them. So that's every, it. Every word matters. Um, yeah. There mm-hmm. is an interesting moment where Cary Grant, is, she steals his clothes because she doesn't want him to leave. And so he puts on this like long sort of negligee. And then he is discovered by her wealthy aunt. And she's like, what is going on with you? And he's like, I suddenly went a bit gay. And then, <laughs> but it is like an interesting word choice because he like that is not really a public word that people used to describe that until like you know stonewall riots probably like 30 years later but also being Mm -hmm. sort of a bisexual man at the time like maybe that and also it is like one of the few lines that he ad-libbed himself so people Mm. are like believe that he meant it in the way that it's used today and not just like i'm feeling happy yeah. Which is an interesting bit I of... I forgot about that moment. That is interesting. Yeah. Do you it's think a very that, subversive that's like moment. A, but do you think it's like a thing that got through the the code for being like, I meant happy? I you think, know, like, I think that think... he did some trickery and 
Yeah. They sort of played it off and then nobody really clued into it unless you were like in the know, which mm. nowadays we all are in the know, but. Mm. Of course. Interesting. Anyway, very interesting. I never thought of that. Hmm. I well, love guys... that movie, honestly. <laughs> I just, I find it so charming and I, anyway. I didn't even, I was like a leopard. I didn't know that. Yeah. I, know. <laughs> I didn't know the plot of this. It's on the poster, Sean. I guess. <laughs> Uh, anyway you guys uh, unfortunately we're going to have to take a a, a short break and we'll keep talking about the 1930s uh, after we get back Uh, you're listening to Spoiler Alert on 91.3 FM CJTR Regina Community Radio tuned into the community welcome back you're listening to Spoiler Alert on 91.3 FM CJTR Regina Community Radio today we're talking about movies we're talking about the 1930s but uh, before we carry on um does anyone know what time it is? I, I have, I have I eighteen absolutely devices. Absolutely, know what time it is. <laughs> None of which would tell me what time it is. Time it's is game time, was. people. <laughs> what? <laughs> I can't think of anything funny to say. Blah blah blah. That's okay. <laughs> That's okay. Sometimes it happens. The game there was is a pregnant pause. Just... <laughs> yeah, there was. We like made eye contact over. You two looked through the screen at each other, but <laughs> nothing came of it. <laughs> Uh, the game is where I spend a few minutes this week looking for a title related to our topic that these two have hopefully not seen. I tell them the title, they tell me what they think it's about, I tell them what it's really about, and we all have a great time. You guys, are you ready to play the game? Yeah! I'm ready. This week's title is Hell's Angels. I'm not, I'm adding the, the throat bit on there, it's just Hell's Angels, but I like to, I like to call it Hell's, Hell's Angels. Angels. Yeah, Hell's fun. Angels. <laughs> yeah. yeah. What do you guys think Hell's Angels is about? Um, okay. I think that Hell's Angels Okay, I think this is pre nineteen thirty-four, pre Hayes Code, so that they could deal with some, you know, complicated Raunchy religious stuff. scenes and they weren't yeah. gonna get in yeah. trouble. Mm-hmm. Um and I think that this is about okay, so I think God decides that heaven is too good and hell is too bad, and they need to do like an exchange program. So they send yes. they send some angels down to hell to sort of like shadow them, and then some little devils up to heaven to you know learn what's mm-hmm. going on up there, and it and then I think probably two of them. Um, so I think one of the one of the angels falls in love with a devil down in hell, and then it becomes mm. this whole like madcap you know comedy of errors, oh. and you know the angels sort of trying to stay pure to their angel roots and. Getting their worldview complicated by the fact that no Damn. one is all good or all evil. Who who plays the the angel and the devil? Let's be clear. Obviously, Catherine Hepburn is the angel and Cary Grant is the devil. Oh, there you go. Honestly, I would see it opposite. Oh, you know what? I like that Ooh. better. Actually, you're right. That's Maybe fair. it's because I just watched Bring Out Baby. Where yeah, she wears pants. What? She's like, I love exercise. Just... <laughs> we're all just immediately on board with them being the cast yeah it's just where they're in well who <laughs> else have we got yeah. we, that's the best of our, of our the generation this is true this is true uh um, very good okay thank you uh sean so i believe that hell's angels is about a sort of cabaret dance club um mm-hmm. owned by ne'er-do-well percy hell um and he employs all of the dancers <laughs> at the club and his, that he refers to as his angels and they're all like, it's a big, it's a variety of like, uh, hilarious, wha- like wackadoo ladies. They're all getting to various scrapes and scraps and they all trying to like, they each come to each other's defense and try to get them out of it and keep the club afloat. And it's very mm-hmm. wholesome in some ways and also kind of raunchy because it's also a dance club. Um, so anyway, that's, and uh, in the end, they managed to keep the club open, and Hell's Angels gets to continue on. Yay! Wow. That's what I believe. Uh, uh, okay, all right. Thank you, thank you both uh, very much. Those might be better than what this is actually about, but <laughs> mm-hmm. um, might not be uh, big enough to go up against the real Hell's Angels. So uh, you're both wrong in all ways, shapes, and forms. Mm-hmm. Um, but that might be okay. So. Um, this this one I think is actually a bit more inter- in- interesting because of a lot of the things around it. So um, I would say that Hell's Angels is the first film 
that was actually subject to development hell because it took oh. them almost 10 years to make it. Um, it was directed and produced by Howard Hughes. Oh. So this is a war airplane movie Dang. is what this is. Um, there were a ton of problems. They kept doing things like it was a silent film and then sound came. So then it became a sound film. And oh then color God. came, so there were parts with color. Oh like, my was, like, God! All is this in the Aviator? Uh, maybe I have no idea. Um, I feel like it might uh, be. Probably, probably. Um, at least parts of it, because mm. it took a long time to get it made. Um, a, a few people died from the airplane stuff. Like mm. there's a lot. There's a lot going on. People coming in, people going out. Um. Well, it's, obviously, uh, people going out. Yeah, that's true. Um, <laughs> Definitely a couple it's, going out. Uh, it's it's been it's been said that it's not very good. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's there's that. At least um, it was worth it. That's been said. But uh, uh, well, apparently, um, Hell's Angels is about two brothers who are uh, British soldiers who go into World War One into the RFC, the Royal Flying Corps, mm-hmm. and um, a bunch of stuff happens to them that seems pretty incredible especially for pilots who wouldn't be on the ground that much but they right. do keep landing and doing things they probably shouldn't um but um i'm going to spoil the ending here just cuz it's so crazy so if you don't want to if you want to watch it and find out what happens please fast forward um, a few minutes all yeah, you hell's uh, angels fans out there that's true uh the end of the film is that the one brother is captive and the other one's trying to get him out and he can save his brother or allow the war to continue on unaffected. So when he decides to shoot his brother and kill his brother. No. Yeah. To let this British attack go off properly. Like that's, that's the, that's the story here. Anyway, that is ludicrous. Um, it, if, if you don't want to watch it, just at least check it out. But the whole thing has Howard Hughes all over it. Mm. There's like a huge Zeppelin scene. That's supposed to be really cool. Um, some of the things, like, I watched a bit of it, like, uh, the color, they do some cool stuff with, like, it's more like a tinting and toning situation. Um, but, uh, yeah, there's only one shot in full color in the end. Um, but it's just kind of a crazy story about this movie. So check it out from that perspective. You don't want to watch it, I guess. But, um, Howard Hughes, not the guy to produce and direct your movie. (laughs) I wouldn't trust that man with anything, (laughs) unfortunately. Uh, You guys, thank you for playing the game. Thank you, Jer. Thank you. Mm -hmm. There we go. Um, Okay, you guys, I want to talk, I want to take a little tangent here, Mm -hmm. and I want to talk about a little year called 1939. Oh, nothing happened that year. I'm just going to read the top part of the list, and then we're just going to talk about that, because we don't have time to keep going. But in 1939, The Wizard of Oz came out, mm-hmm. Gone with the Wind came out, mm-hmm. Stagecoach came out, and Mr. Smith Goes to Washington came out. Mm-hmm. All of these movies are still incredible. Yeah. <laughs> like, all of them are still pretty amazing. I thought Somehow, this was supposed we'll to be go. the Dirty 30s, for God's sake. It's, well, it's Maybe it's at the end of it? It's at the end of the, yeah. Ramping up to the, the almost war, clean I guess? 30s. I don't know. Yeah. Um... But, uh, I mean, do, like, what do you guys think of The Wizard of Oz? Let's just do that. Oh, what do you think I of mean, that? We've talked about this movie on the show a lot because... Mm-hmm. I well, because it it's probably one f- of the greatest films of all time. Exactly. And I think it is. Like, Maybe, yeah. was a super formative film for, I think, at least a few of us. A few. Oh, there are literally three of us. There's a few. Like <laughs> at least a couple of us. Um, It's just so good. Like... I I could watch that movie like I have watched that movie one million times and it's just like mm-hmm. I still enjoy it every time. Mm-hmm. It's so good. Um, I was reading a bit about things that they cut. I love that mm. sort of. I'm mm-hmm. like fascinated with how a classic like this like almost could have gone. Like they had Dorothy in like big blonde like baby curls and like right um like all rouged up like a sort of baby doll makeup. And, like, that would have been crazy. Mm-hmm. Or just, like, it would have been a completely different Dorothy. Or, like, they yeah. also had, like, a, a love story between her and Scarecrow. And, like, the guy that... The the farmhand that plays Scarecrow, they were, like, supposed to be dating. Um, but then they cut all that, except 
weirdly that one line where she's like i think i'll miss you most of all and you're like why <laughs> i thought you were yeah like the vibe I... is still there is the thing yeah like i thought you guys yeah. were all just the same friends but why are you so why'd you say that about the scarecrow but that's yeah she got hung up um and i think also like in the like i don't know the story of understanding what american hollywood is these are all they're mm. all very important but maybe the wizard of oz most of all because it just like definitively puts down this line between like color and black and white and yeah. you know what's possible with a billion people and however much money a million dollars back then I think Budget, like three. 2.8. Yeah, $3 million. Are um, you serious? I guess, yeah, back then. Yeah, it yeah, didn't. I for, don't think it made its money back until its re release, if I'm not mistaken. It says it says box office is $30 million, but I have no idea. It gives me no more. But um, uh, it's just so crazy that, like, not only are there. Not only is a film of this caliber this old already, mm. but also that there are three other movies. Well, more than a bunch of other movies equally as notable, such as Gone with the Wind, which we will talk about next. Like 90 years later? That's crazy. Yeah. But I mean, I think Gone with the Wind is in the same boat, right? Like, it's still a I guess it's in, of, of it's in the, a different boat a little bit, but, but yeah. it is. Well, it's... Yeah. Yeah. Go ahead. <laughs> well, I just like... I don't know if everyone has seen God of the Wind, but I will say that everyone has seen Wizard of Oz. And that's mm-hmm. not correct, True. but that's what I my think, heart says. No, but I think that's a I think that's a decent line to make. Because um, all of these, like the four I mentioned, I think each one people sort of like have seen less and less. But um, Yeah, like honestly, stagecoach, I don't know her. Yeah. Uh it's 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 just uh it's like the first John Wayne movie. Like like not really, but right. like it's sort of like laid the groundwork for another 30 years of cinema basically Mm -hmm. and i think sort of the same with mr smith goes to washington and i think at least these are just the top four of the list because it's there are other way more notable films as well that are not pictured here but um i think that all of these sort of are a good indicator of like things to come Mm -hmm. and you can just sort of see like them get referenced all throughout time in different ways and how because i mean what generation of filmmaker are we at from people who would have watched this right like like dead you know (laughs) well but like if like if you're watching wizard of oz when you're you know born in 1930 like that's only like two generations away i guess two or three um but i watch and even like uh things like all quiet on the western front and it's clear to me that, like, Christopher Nolan is pulling right. from, right? And it's just all over this decade. Mm-hmm. Like, there are just these humongous juggernauts all over here. Well, because uh, I, think, I think this was, like, the time of the blueprint. Like, this was the transition to sound, the transition mm-hmm. to color. Like, so many things, like, the technology and the medium was mm-hmm. was changing. And so I think things were starting to turn into what they have now become. Gone yeah. with the Wind is an interesting one, though, too, because it's like, I feel like that's a movie that gets, that that has kind of been decontextualized and, yeah. and put on this pedestal. And now in the year 2021, with a lot of the things that we're reckoning with, I think it becomes, I mean, has always been deeply complicated. It's, mm-hmm. it's clearly a highly romanticized and skewed perspective of the South and the Civil War. Um, that I would argue offers a lot more sympathy to its racist white characters than to its black ones. Um, uh, I would say it exclusively. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah, I don't know. It's, it is interesting how those things that it's like, that were just unquestionably classics for so long now, it's like, all right, how are we going to have this conversation? Mm-hmm. But yeah. I, I think, yeah, I, I think, uh, I, th- I think prominence and like i don't know likability i like i don't know it something can still be an important piece of history mm-hmm. with its problems if those problems are entered into it when we take it in right like i i, I don't know that anyone should be watching gone with the wind thinking it's a good way to live your life <laughs> like i don't well, know right, if those are the it, lessons like, but i think it kind of even goes beyond that to just like 
it it takes it becomes mythic like it becomes mythology mm-hmm. and people yeah. kind of consume it in a way that's maybe not as cri- or have historically consumed it in a way that's not as critical as maybe it ought to have been mm. oh it's certainly not because in a like, like this is how i should live like i should own enslaved people but right. you know like like that that this is a certain depiction and point of view and who are we sympathizing with and what stories are we telling Mm-hmm. And once it's yep. like considered an instant classic, I feel like it's hard yeah. to tear that out down. Exactly. Exactly, and I think that flows through too as well. To Mister Smith goes to Washington, mm-hmm. who is is still working with the same legal troubles that exist <laughs> now. He's still in that filibuster, just trying to get get out. But, Nine years um, later, in that filibuster. Yeah, yeah. and but. I, you know, the more we kind of talk about it, and yeah, I think of like what happens in the Oscars and all those sorts of things. Mm. Like, I think this is the machine that they've built, and I think that's sort of what we're we're seeing here. And hopefully, we can rip it apart and keep the bad with the good, so we can all learn a lesson. But yeah. uh, we're not so good at that. Well, because there's so. also the sort of like production side of things, and the yeah. you know the treatment of the performers and the the crews and you know, the sort of, like, oligarchical system of movie barons, like, some of that has not changed, you know? Nope. Yeah, and the star systems that are now in place from what was in place, anyway, it's crazy. Mm -hmm. It's absolutely nuts. It is. Um, okay. Uh, back to our regularly scheduled programming. Uh, what did you guys watch this week or hear about that you didn't particularly care for, if anything at all? I have a doozy of a one. Yeah, Sonia, I want to hear about this. Very <laughs> and this, you know, this is a hot take. No one with a movie podcast has ever made a joke about this movie. Uh, but <laughs> this is 1936's uh, moral <laughs> morality tale, Reefer Madness. Some grade A American propaganda. Um, so basically, this is a movie that was conceived of by a religious group and then <laughs> people who made movies ran with it um that is sort of a fear-mongering propaganda piece about the dangers of cannabis um i would love to just read for you uh from the sort of foreword that plays there's like a little scroll before the movie starts um forward the the motion picture you're about to witness may startle you and then it goes on um to talk about sort of the dangers of marijuana as they call it, which just side note to listeners, calling it marijuana was a concerted effort by the American political system to uh, associate it with uh, Mexican drug cartels and is essentially rooted in racist rhetoric. So we oh. say cannabis now. <laughs> anyway, oh, okay. uh, its first effect is sudden, violent, uncontrollable laughter. Then comes dangerous hallucinations. Space expands. Time slows down, almost stands still. Fixed ideas come next, conjuring up monstrous extravagances, followed by emotional disturbances, the total inability to direct thoughts, the loss of all power to resist physical emotions, leading finally to acts of shocking violence, ending often in incurable insanity. And it goes on from there. That is what happens. almost an ad. Yeah. yeah. (laughs) You know, monstrous extravagances such as the munchies. I would describe myself as having monstrous extravagances as well, but that's my own problem. Exactly, Um, and I think... Do you know what I find shocking is that I didn't even know that cannabis was a thing in, like, 1936, but, Mm. you know, I'm dumb. (laughs) Like, literally, Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs came out, like, the next year. Like, that is an old (laughs) movie. (laughs) And also, you know, some people were on drugs making that movie. Yeah, Um, they're like, let's think up these crazy dwarf names you know that they had a that's a bit of a monstrous extravagance if you ask me 100 percent. yeah we're not having one dwarf we're having seven whoa <laughs> <laughs> hold um, on there Walt. Oh, damn. <laughs> so basically the movie itself is like it starts with this high school principal addressing a parent group a concern a group of concerned parents and telling oh, them God. this one story that he heard about what can happen when the children are corrupted by weed um and basically it goes so off the rails you guys like okay so there are these like 
drug pushers who have this apartment. Their business model is amazing. They give teenagers free drugs. Like, no right. money is ever exchanged. Good, good money making. <laughs> um, and basically, they lure these young people to their den of sin where they listen to jazz music and hang out with loose women. And eventually, someone okay. commits vehicular manslaughter. Um, there's an attempted rape. And then someone is accidentally shot. Um, it just like, oh it escalates God. so quickly. Um, I don't know. There were parts of it that were hysterically funny. And then parts of it that I was just like, well, it's hard not to think about the sort of like decades of oppressive policy and like <laughs> law enforcement that have come out of these ideas. But it, yeah, just one of the yeah. silliest things I've ever watched. In some ways it does feel kind of sick to be like laughing at this when it's like, a lot of people are in jail for cannabis right. use. And it's, and it's all stupid. Um, it is. How long is this film? Uh, it's like an hour and ten minutes, I think. Okay. Yeah. I found I, it on YouTube. I, I was considering watching it this week. But I was like, I don't know if I need to... like. Maybe I'll try to watch something like that I know will be good. As opposed yeah. to... The, like, this is probably going to be insane. Yeah. It's one of those things that's like, you know, and, and then it became like a cult classic midnight movie. It was re-released mm-hmm. in the in the 40s, basically like under the guise of being a, a like morality tale. But then people would go and see it just because it was so wild and contained all these <laughs> things they couldn't see under the Hays Code. Um, so, I mean, that's kind of fun. I do. I do like that spirit of it. But man, just and there are just so many parts where you're like, this is so lame. Like you sound like such a lame narc right now. <laughs> <laughs> what a narc! Chill out, bro. <laughs> <laughs> you sound like you're you in the denison right now. <laughs> I am. I'm in a denison. I've got a, a piano playing man. Oh, also, I watched a colorized version, and the mm-hmm. smoke, like the the cannabis smoke, is all like different bright colors. <laughs> it's oh, so funny. that's amazing. Oh yeah. It's anyway, just do, doing things to make people like want to. Tr- I'm just looking yes. at the poster now. Like that it, honestly it would like... make me want to try it if it had brightly colored smoke. <laughs> I'd be like, okay. Yeah. At one point, the young the young kid like is at this this party, and this woman like hands him a joint. They're like dancing, and then she like dances him into a room and seduces him. And I'm like, this is not going to convince any teenage boy in the world not. To They're do like, this, this sounds like, great. I would love this. What they want. <laughs> Where do, I, where do I find these people with the free the free drugs? Where the free the yeah. free drugs and the sen- sensual attitudes. Uh, America really does love a moral panic, though, doesn't it? God, don't they? Jeez, Sean, uh, uh, did you watch? Uh, we'll just open it up. Watch anything you liked. Watch anything you hated. Watch anything you missed out on. Mm, no, I I only really watched those two, but I could talk about 1937 mm-hmm. Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs, mm-hmm. which I mentioned earlier. Let's talk about it. Yeah. Um, just because it is the first full-length animated film um, and the first Disney animated film. Mm-hmm. And everyone was very like, Walt, you've been smoking the reefer. Like, this is a crazy idea. And he like, he took out, like he mor- remortgaged their house. He was like, I think this is a good idea. Everyone's like, you're actually insane. Um, and then obviously look how that turned out. Yeah. Um, yeah. And he won... Yeah an honorary oscar uh mm. at the next uh academy awards one was a normal size statuette and then there were seven mini statuettes no. also presented <laughs> along with it which i think is you a know, very cute idea you know it's a big deal when you uh when you get your own little yeah. when they, yeah. little, little version yeah when they literally break the mold to make something new for you <laughs> Even though I don't know um, how many Academy Awards there were in nineteen like thirty seven, probably. And like I feel 10. like they used to do that. They would just like make up arbitrary awards for things. They're like, oh, we missed think, this one. Let's just give it mm-hmm. to you. Yeah. Well, and it it kind of becomes. I can't remember. I don't know if it was like Tron or something, but um, they they made a bunch of synth music for it, and they couldn't figure out what to do because everyone said it was technically not music. Mm. Um, right like they just couldn't figure out how to classify it and uh, I think that's like it's necessary to like at least be a little bit reflexive Mm. in probably more ways than one but at least one to figure out new awards yeah but um, I mean that's that's something but what are they it was like best 
orchestral arrangement or something and they're like this is not that best computer yeah. sounds yeah maybe yeah maybe we should change what we're doing somehow i don't know best beep loops um, uh, you guys, I don't know why I got on this, but I decided I would watch it. I did not watch it all, because mm. there is a lot. Um, but uh, I found the Flash Gordon film serials on YouTube. Oh. Uh, and the first one is 245 minutes, just under four hours long. What? Um, yeah, and it's just, like, it's it's Flash Gordon, and I'm pretty familiar with the 80s, I think, 80s version. Mm. Um, but... Uh, Everything is just sort of toned down, and it's done really cheap and really quick, and done to be, like, something to show before a movie. Mm. Um, but it's just kind of, it's kind of crazy, and I might keep watching them, maybe? Dude, so oh my they're God. fun? Uh, yeah, and, like, like uh, so at the start of the first, the first one, which is called Space Soldiers, uh, Flash jumps out of his airplane and meets a mad scientist who is kind of working with his dad and he and his girlfriend get on a rocket to go to another planet which is hurling towards earth and as they land the like thing lands and they're in this like desert planet but these iguanas with a bunch of stuff glued to them are running around (laughs) and they like dwarf the ship so tiny but their iguanas are so big and it cuts between them being like, oh my god, the beast! And then, like, a shot of an iguana. <laughs> and, Amazing. Like, just back and forth. Anyway, uh, it's just kind of crazy and uh, pretty fun. But, uh, yeah, I don't know. Anyway, you guys, that's all the time we have left. <laughs> I'd like to give a shout-out to the Garrus for the use of our theme song, Manituna. My co-hosts, Sean and Sonia, everyone here at CJ2R, and to our listeners. Spoiler Alert is broadcast live Wednesdays at 6pm, rebroadcast Thursdays at noon, and is available as a podcast on CJTR's website. One Twitter at spoiler alert YQR and Instagram at spoiler alert CJTR. Uh, My Electric is coming up next. See you next week. Bye. Bye.